Welcome to All The Therapies. We're two clinicians who try out different therapeutic practices so you can find the right type of healing for you. I'm Abby Crom. I'm Mona E. Shaker. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks for joining us. Let's jump in now. Hello, welcome everybody. We are talking with Nikki today. She is a breathwork practitioner. Check out our previous episode for my experience trying breathwork with her. But hi, welcome, Nikki. Thank you, Mona and Abby. Thanks for having me. Yeah, happy to of course. Have you here. So, so happy to have you here. So let's start with a brief introduction. If you could tell folks who you are, your specialty, how long you've been doing breathwork. Yeah. So as you mentioned, I'm a certified breath coach. I'm also a Reiki practitioner. I've been teaching breath now since about 2018. And I specialize in an integration between the mind, body, spirit through coaching and in, through intensive private sessions, as well as group sessions. That's so cool. And like, how did you get interested? Because, you know, we're obviously both therapists, but you know, like, I think there's so many different ways to do healing. And so how did you get interested in doing healing work? Yes. Uh, The journey there. (laughs) So I think a lot of people, this is probably pretty typical. I dealt with a lot of mental health challenges growing up uh, as a child, as an adolescent, and then in my early 20s. And I majored in psychology. I was kind of very early on obsessed with the idea of helping others through those kind of challenges. It just took me a really long time to figure out how I would do that. And it wasn't until breath work came into my life that it kind of all synced up and I was like, okay, this is the way I'm meant to do that. Mm. Uh, So I can go into sort of the story of discovering breath work too. Um, So it's funny. So I, it was about 2013 through 2015 and I was still dealing with a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety, Mm -hmm. Uh, insomnia was pretty bad. And I started to dabble in meditation and people were telling me to breathe. Mm. And it sounded so simple, but when I would (laughs) try to do it, my heart rate would go up. I'd get very anxious. And I kept telling myself, like, I'm doing this wrong. You know, Mm -hmm. like, I I don't think I know how to breathe. And so many people, like, this is literally the conversation I have every day with people doing meditation. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I mean, I can't tell you when I share this journey with people, how many people are just relieved to hear someone else say that because it feels like a stupid question, but it's not at all. So I went down this sort of rabbit hole of, you know, discovering if, if it wasn't a stupid question, if there were other people asking it. And I did discover this teacher based out of New York named Dr. Belisa. And at the time I had recently moved to California and I thought I could find something in LA sort of chalked it up, cast it to the side. And then it was about a year later that my friend, you know, I was still kind of obsessing over this idea of not being able to breathe right. And I had an athletic trainer friend of mine who visited and she did this technique more out of fun, but had me lay down like on her hotel room floor. And we did (laughs) something called the 90-90 hip lift with balloon. It sounds (laughs) crazy as it sounds. (laughs) Balloons were involved. Balloons were involved. <laughs> like, you know, oh, wow. we were just having fun. And <laughs> but I realized really quickly doing that that the idea is that it's meant to use your diaphragm 
as the primary breathing vessel. Yeah. Is how we are meant to breathe. And I had absolutely no strength in my diaphragm. And so that got me just mm. obsessed with it. I was like, there is something to it. You know, they're teaching athletes how to do this. Right. I'm not the only one. And then it took me still, I couldn't find anybody. There's not a lot of information out there that really addresses the physiological side. Of That's it. true. Yeah. I don't hear a lot about that. To, mm-hmm. be honest. to this day, even with it blown up, it's really not addressed That's so true. How, yeah. how to breathe better. So mm. I did get introduced to meditation before I actually found my teacher. Uh, I did a group breathwork meditation. I thought, well, I'll try this out. It's not exactly what I want, but let me try it out. Had the experience, did the three-part breath. My life was transformed. Yeah, right. <laughs> I walked out of that experience and it sounds melodramatic, but anybody that's done it knows like totally. not an understatement yeah. um, or overstatement. And I decided to go that route. I was going to unplug pretty regularly in Los Angeles. And one day I went to the bathroom and there was this poster. It was unmarked. It was vague. And it said, become a breathwork teacher. I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. That's awesome. On Monday, the teacher called me. It was Dr. Belisa. (laughs) Oh, wow. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. I love it. It was meant to be. Her teachings are the foundation to everything that I do. Her background is actually in psychiatry Mm. and it's very rooted in science. You know, it kind of appeals to that like cynical mind of mine. Uh, But then she's also acknowledging the psychological and spiritual shifts that happened in breathwork. So it's perfect. It's spot on. So I learned from her, learned from the best in my mind. And it's been ever since, you know, a passion and an obsession. I love the synchronicity like that always. It's like, I just, yeah. Meant to be. It was crazy. Yeah, exactly. Like that's, if you ever need like a sign, like that was the perfect sign. Yeah. And I want to thank you also just being vulnerable and talking about your own like mental health experience. Cause I think that's why a lot of us get in the field of healing through our own healings and wanting to give back to. And I like how you talked about breath and right. We're all in the healing field together, but we don't talk about it. But when stress hits, it constricts our airways. Like biologically, that's like a real experience that we have. And if we're used to sitting in that stress place, right. Like we're not mindful about our breath. And so I really like that you brought the actual like mechanics of it and the biology. So I actually would love to know if you were willing to nerd out with us, what is the mechanics? Like, why does it work so well? Yeah, no, I'm willing. I am. This is the part I'm the most excited about (laughs) nerding out on the science. So breath work encompasses so much and it's sort of this giant umbrella term. And so there are definitely different intentions for different techniques. And some of them work a little bit differently as far as the science goes. Some are a little bit more mysterious, uh, which we'll talk about that in your experience of it. But foundationally, breath work is, it's a feedback loop of CO2 essentially in your body. And how your, that level of CO2 has a direct impact on your autonomic nervous system. It's essentially interwoven into nearly every system in our body. So when we talk about diaphragmatic breathing, like that's a direct impact immediately on our autonomic nervous system. It stimulates the vagus nerve in our bodies and immediately can put us out of fight or flight, which Mm. when we're feeling that. So down to just a couple of deep diaphragmatic breaths, Mm -hmm. you can immediately calm down. And that's whenever we think about like that mindfulness, the box breathing, 
that's what's happening to us there. When we're using our diaphragm, we're actually calming down our nervous system, getting into the moment, quieting our heart rate. It has an immediate impact there. Breathwork meditation, circular breathing, it's a little bit more intense as we actually drive down CO2. So this happens even with diaphragmatic breathing. We start to alkalize our body and because CO2 is acidic and circular breathing, Mm. it's a little bit more intense. So we're really driving down that CO2 and Mm. I can go even deeper into the science of it. Let's let's, (laughs) Let's go girl. Deep dive here for it. (laughs) So I'd like to preface it first that the breathwork meditation, there is mystery to it. And I don't want to take away from that. You have to go into it with an open mind yeah, and just accept that something is going to happen that we maybe can't explain. There, Mm -hmm. There is more to it. It's way more complex than the science behind it. But I do like to talk about the science behind it because there's a lot of pushback and back and forth in, in the field of whether mm. or not we're hyperventilating. Right. Mm. That's the question everyone, well, aren't you just hyperventilating? And some people, yes, some people know. So I'll talk through the science of hyperventilation mm. first, just to kind of lay that out there. When we hyperventilate, we're pushing down that CO2 and we're instantaneously alkalizing our bodies. When that happens, our neurons start firing more calcium ions bond to proteins in our blood. It immediately puts us into this sort of short-term low calcium state. Because of that, we experience tingling in our fingers. Mm. Smooth muscle contractions can happen. That's where we like have what we affectionately call lobster claws. <laughs> yeah. Of it. it can there. affect you know, our t- sometimes people come out of it and they're like, I can't talk, you know, my, it feels like the side of my face is locked up. All of these sort of really intense physiological things that can happen are ultimately a result of hyperventilation, this voluntary hyperventilation and a really alkaline pH level in our blood, which is great. I mean, people, you go on diets to alkalize <laughs> their blood, Right. There's nothing wrong with being more alkaline and and there's actually health benefits just in that, in our bodies becoming less acid based just in that alone. It can be beneficial to our health. What I like to then explain is there is evidence and I can speak to this and most people that I know who have been teaching for a long time, those physiological effects actually go away with time. The Mm -hmm. longer that we practice breath work, the less intense those feelings are. Mm. And the idea is that we're no longer novice breath work. So we're not driving our CO2 down quite as much as we are. Mm. Our, Our inhales are longer. We get the technique down a little bit more. You know, we're more efficient in the technique. But just because the effects of hyperventilation and the actual state of hyperventilation are gone you're still getting those deeply spiritual psychological impacts. So it's not just hyperventilation alone. And that's why you have a lot of people who push back really hard on that and don't like to call it that. Because ultimately when you've got the technique down and you're not driving CO2, it's not hyperventilation. Yeah. That's like just you explaining that is so helpful because you know, I've had all these experiences and it is like, I like that you say that too, that it's 
yes, there is some science to it, but there's also things that we can't explain. And again, like I used to, I don't know if anyone else did this. I used to hyperventilate at camp. Like that was what we did for fun. I don't, (laughs) that's a very, yeah, like camp thing, you know, like, but it's like, right. I don't think it was like this, like spiritual experience, you know? And so I think there are, there's gotta be something more. And again, I really like that you kind of spoke to, yeah, it is that thing. And I teach diaphragmatic breathing just in like a pinch kind of to have something, but there is that sense. What I notice with breath work, and I think Mona, you talked about this. It's like all of a sudden that thing in our brain that just says, oh, it's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, you thought this was a big problem. Like it's not at all. And like, that feels really good to come from internally. Cause again, we all know what it's like when someone just tells us like, oh, that's not such a big deal. And like, you're like, yes, it is. But to have that kind of come on inside and all of a sudden just be like, this doesn't seem like a problem anymore. You know what I mean? That's what we all want, right? <laughs> you know? And so I think that is the thing that like, I don't know, you know, like even though sure you can go into like a hyperventilated state and like there is some science to it, there's obviously more happening than just that, right? Yes, absolutely. And and I think that's what's so important to understand. There's also talk between, so breath is really unique in that it lives in the autonomic nervous system. It's this involuntary process that we can actually also regulate and become very conscious of. And, you know, it can become voluntary. So it's this interesting bridge between those systems. And there is research that shows that even just through inhaling, whether diaphragmatically or through breath work, we're stimulating the limbic system and emotions. So to me, there's this interconnected network that is on a nonverbal level and we're breathing, stimulating this network within our brain, within our bodies. And we're able to just tap into it in a way. It's like, there's not language for how trauma Mm. or experiences are stored in our body. Mm -hmm. And the breath is like the translator between that. That's how I like to think of it. It kind of quelches that science-minded piece, but also acknowledges like, it's a mystery. I don't know how it does it, but it Mm. does. Exactly. I like that because we don't want to, and I think a lot of us like maybe go towards the science just because there's maybe a lot of skepticism or, you know, maybe we're not used to that type of healing. Maybe we're used to like very Western science-based healings. But there's so much that we can't right now perhaps have science explain, but it does not mean it's not valuable and not important. Because I had that very synchronistic experience. The last song that you played when I had my breathwork session was like a complete callback to my old therapist who passed away. And like, it, it was like a full circle moment for me, like you playing that song at that exact moment. The science can't explain that. But I know that that was like so transformative and like really meaningful mm-hmm. for me. I also want to talk about, we're talking about like diaphragm breathing. I realize I'm not even quite sure what that means because I'm like, break that down. Yeah. I mean, you are not alone in that. Actually, this is, I'm very passionate about this part of my breathwork teaching as well, because it is such a, you know, it's, it's such a huge improvement that we can do in our daily lives, but a lot of us aren't even aware that we're not quote breathing correctly. So when we breathe our, the primary muscle, our respiratory muscle is our diaphragm and the secondary breathing muscles are, you know, muscles in our necks and our backs, you know, in our chest here. And so what's going on is a lot of us, whether it's from, you know, restrictive clothing and like sucking in our bellies, you know, over years, or even just kind of cues 
from the way that people breathe, you know, take a deep breath and we kind of, you know, our shoulders shrug and just tensing alone. Like, so, you know, kind of holding tension in our bodies, we aren't breathing horizontally with our diaphragm. Mm. So there should be an expansion happening in our rib cage. And then during the exhale, there's a contraction in our rib cage. And when we're breathing with our secondary muscles or we're, you know, we're breathing what Dr. Blisa, she calls it vertical breathing versus horizontal breathing. And so what this diaphragmatic breathing is, is just practicing how to get that nice expansive breath. And what's challenging is because we're not using our diaphragm, like any muscle, it weakens over time. That's what I experienced when I tried mm. to throw the balloon in my <laughs> hotel room five years ago. It's just not powerful. It doesn't have the strength to expand the rib cage the way that we need it to, to really get a full breath. So a lot of the exercises that I teach are kind of like workouts for the diaphragm to strengthen up that muscle. And then also to remind us our cue, our body, you know, our shoulders don't need to be involved in breathing. Mm-hmm. They can just relax and let mm-hmm. the diaphragm go. So cool. Yeah. Thanks for explaining that. Yeah. Yeah. So is this really for like anybody? Is there anyone that when you learn and are become a practitioner, they're like, oh, like probably screen for this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it's a good question. And I think that you know, my default answer is anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, anyone is a good client and should. I'd actually think the world would be a better place if more mm-hmm. people did both diaphragmatic and the circular breathing breathwork meditation. But there are certain conditions that, you know, we advise, you know, talking to a doctor or talking to a practitioner first, Mm. you know, pregnancy, history of severe mental illness, severe heart disease, stroke, aneurysms. So it's just advised. It's not harmful to talk to a doctor if you have any concerns. What's great is that it's more and more widely accepted in the, you know, Western medicine and in the healthcare system. So it's not a bad idea to talk to someone if you're concerned, but it's relatively, it's very safe and, and it has a huge impact. I recommend it for anyone. Even if it starts slow with diaphragmatic breathing. Right. Exactly. Can we like kind of going back a little bit to the mechanics? Can you walk us through like, what's a typical session like? And what would you say? Cause I know when I first started, so when I, Actually, it was at Unplugged. Abby took me to my very first one several years ago. I got scared. There was a moment of panic and that claw hand thing you were talking about, like, and like the trembling. And I got really scared. Like, am I inducing a heart attack? I got into a panic kind of uh, mode. So I'm curious if this is someone's first time, like walk us through a typical session. And then what would you say to somebody who might have some fears at the beginning? Yeah, really great question. And that's also one of the reasons why I like to dispel the myth of hyperventilation and also acknowledge like we have a really great understanding of what happens during hyperventilation because, you know, anesthesiologists have been studying this effect that happens during, you know, hyperventilation for a really long time. There's no immediate risk to some of these, you know, body sensations that I talked about, there's no health risk to it happening. You're just alkalizing your body. So I think that's why I like to talk about it and not deny that it's happening. But yeah, it's a great question. And I think a lot of people go into those sessions pretty blind sometimes. They're just curious and they don't know what to expect. And then, you know, they get into the room and they're told what's going to happen. And it's scary. But 
so here's what usually happens in a session with me is that, you know, we start out, I teach the technique very quickly. I demonstrate the technique and then we spend in all my sessions run. It's about 30 to 40 minutes of breathing. Now about half of that time is breathing through this three-part breath, this circular breath. About halfway through though, we return to a normal, slow, in through the nose, out through the mouth breathing. So it's not the entire time intensity. There is music. So the idea is that we also want to accompany it with driving music, especially in the beginning. And then we'll have what we call heart music at the end, which is allowing us to just kind of purge and release and experience the emotions that we've been holding on to. But it does take, so how I like to sort of wrap it up, and this isn't always done, but I find it really important, is I like to spend the last 15, if not longer, chatting about the experience or at least encouraging people to journal. I find that that's really often where the integration happens, where the breakthroughs sort of continue to come through and make sense. You know, in the moment of the breath, there's usually something that comes through. Avi, you mentioned it, like that's where the healing happens and it's internal. You know, it's been there the whole time. You just, now you've unearthed it. It's this knowledge that comes from you. But I find that journaling about it and talking through it is really helpful because it might bring you a little bit more clarity, but it'll also be something to come back to later. I've had people come back to me a week or two later and they're not sure, you know, like they had, oh, I thought it was this thing, but I don't know that that's really bothering me in life. You know, Right away, our defense mechanisms are kicking mm. in, our egos turning right back on and telling us a different story. So I think it's helpful to write it down. Yeah. There is something about the process of writing down and like choosing, because again, our thoughts, we can rotate through a million thoughts, but like part of that writing down is we chose to write it for a reason. Yeah. And so just like having that funnel. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. And I did also want to say to Mona's point too about how I reassure people in it. I always start off the class by explaining that we're doing this three-part breath and there will be driving music, but at any point, if it starts to get too much, if, you know, if that sensation in the fingers is too much to handle or just you're not ready to confront whatever's coming and At any point, you have complete control to just start breathing again in through the nose, out through the mouth and slow down the breathing and you'll come right back out of it. So you have that complete control through the entire session of controlling your breath and going as far and as deep as you want to. Cool. Thank you. Yeah, I definitely remember that disclaimer. And then going back to the integration piece at the end and journaling, I really enjoyed I was telling Abby, I thought you were a therapist because you held space just like so well. And like, there was something nice to like have someone witness too. I think at first I felt self-conscious and then by the end of it, I couldn't wait to share kind of all these like interesting synchronicities and like the breakthroughs and the experience. So there was also like, I like that end piece too of just like holding space and like being seen and like, yeah, having someone hear the experience. It's actually really reassuring to hear you say that because not being a licensed psychiatrist uh, or therapist, I 
started out in the beginning, you know, a little unsure of that piece, you know, knowing it was important to talk through it, more important for them to talk, not Mm. for me. It's not Mm. about me or what I contribute. So it was something I was a little unsure of. And I'm so glad you said it that way, holding space, because it was actually my Reiki certification Mm. that it really clicked what I needed to do. In Reiki, you're just a channel. You know, the energy is coming through you and it actually, it's most impactful to just let it do its thing and believe and have faith that it will go where it needs to go. But the idea is that, you know, you really just want to hold space for that person, hold space for the energy and allow the healing to happen. And it really helped me just understand I'm only here to facilitate, you know, and that was Mm. the part that was hard to understand. Well, what is my role, you know, Mm. happening through them? And that was, it's just about holding space and allowing the energy and the moment to be and allowing that person, as you said, just to feel safe and allowed to be vulnerable in that moment. Yeah. I think even like licensed therapists struggle with that. Like, honestly, yeah. Like, (laughs) and I'm sure. Yes. So like, yeah, just, this has been awesome. Like I really like, and I've been a a practicer. I was going to say the official term um, (laughs) of someone who does breath work. Um, It's a breath work term. Trust me. That's what you're supposed to say. So I really appreciated though, hearing like you break it down. I love just learning more and more about, especially something that I feel is like effective. So I want to know like, why is that? But so yeah, just as we kind of finish up here, anything you want to say to somebody who's like thinking about trying it or, you know, is wondering about it? Yeah. You know, I can't, hopefully, you know, the science sells it, just just knowing the impacts that it has on our body and our physiological impacts are really powerful. But I really think that you don't go into it knowing what you're going to get out of it, right? You might have an idea of what you think you want to work on, but often it takes you to places that are surprising, that you didn't think you needed to work on, and you really needed to go there. It never takes you somewhere that you don't need to go. And it always gives you exactly what you want, whatever that is. Sometimes the experience is actually still staying in your head. And that might be the experience that you need to have that day. But I think that for me, what really speaks for itself when it comes to these healing, whether it's breath work, Reiki therapy, is the anecdotal, the stories, the impact that it's had. And I try to share my story as much as possible. I try to encourage other people to share their stories. It opens up a dialogue. I don't want to get into it. And it's funny, we, yeah, I wasn't sure if I would or not, but one of the experiences that I've had personally with Mm -hmm. breath work is actually the experience working with my mom on it. I had introduced her to breath work and, you know, she had no idea what to expect. She was just being, you know, a mother and humoring (laughs) me, you know, (laughs) and it, you know, just two sessions really that she's done with me have opened up dialogue between us Mm. that from my perspective, I'm so grateful for her having, have had this experience 
So I, I think it not only does it benefit you and it will heal you, but it will also heal and benefit all the people in your life mm. so much. Yes. Heal yourself, heal the people around you. That's yeah. so, so real. Yeah. Ugh. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. It's been such a pleasure. I just feel you're even just like grateful to even had a, a session with you. And you just like the way that you carry this space, it just like automatically put me at ease because it is kind of like a vulnerable space to be in. So I really love your vibe and I'm so glad that I was able to interact with you and, and practice with you. It was an absolute honor. I, it's well known, I think, among other teachers who do this breathwork meditation thing that we're incredibly grateful and honored to sort of witness this. You know, that's the gift of doing this is to be able to witness such profound moments. So the feeling is mutual. I appreciate you being a part of it. Lovely. Awesome. Thank you. Before we sign off, how can people find you social media, website, et cetera? Yes. So the best way to connect with me right now is on Instagram at Nikki underscore banks. Easy. And then I'll also share my website and some of the other information, emails, way to contact and book as well. Okay. Perfect. Very cool. And that's Nikki with one K. Nikki with one K. That's right. (laughs) Awesome. Cool. All righty. Yeah. Such a pleasure. Thanks again for practicing with us, having this great conversation today. I've learned a lot personally. So great. Yes. Well, thank you so much for having me. And thank you both for being practicers and readers. <laughs> practicers. <laughs> <Yeah>. We're practicers. <laughs> well, check out our show notes for more information on Nikki and we'll see you the next time we try something. Bye. Bye. Thanks again for joining us. Check out our show notes to learn more about this episode and to find all the ways to follow us. And remember, if you're curious, try it.